Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave, and we got a special guest today. He's our first Three-time, three-time, three-time guest. This guy's been all over, wrestled for WWF, NWA, WCW. He's been all over, folks. He's got a book out called Dad, You Don't Work, You Wrestle. He's the one, the only, Mr. Number One, George South. Welcome back to the show, man. Yes, sir, buddy. Dave, thank you. Buddy, man, that's an honor to be the third. uh, I think we didn't get it right the first time. We got to try it two other times, buddy. But... No, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be back, buddy. Thank you. Uh, it's a I hope play- everybody had a good Christmas. Oh, yeah, no, nice and relaxing, George. Nice relaxing and not any stress this year. So I, I loved it personally. Right, right, I love that. Well, you know, this year, you know, was, and I found a show, if you can believe it, you know, in Crockett, NWA here in the Carolinas, of course, you know, on Christmas night, Dave, was our biggest night yeah. for wrestling. It was such a big night in Charlotte, Christmas night, that Jim Crockett and Dusty, we would run two shows on Christmas Day, if you can believe it. We'd do a 2 o'clock in Greenville, South Carolina, and then come back to Charlotte Christmas night. And both of them would sell out, if you can believe it, Dave. I can believe it, man. uh, We did that for years. So even this Christmas for me, I've always wrestled on Christmas night. So I even, believe it or not, found a little small show to go to Christmas night. And just, uh, you know, just so I could just keep that record going. My my poor kids and grandkids would not know what to do if I stayed home on Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so, but it was a very, it was a big, big night for Crockett, you know, uh, Christmas night was. How many years have you wrestled on Christmas in a row then? How many years is that? Gosh, 35. Wow. I mean, from the first... You know, I've been doing this 41 years, and as far as I can remember, there was always a show on Christmas night. And, of course, you know, every year for Crockett, I was able to do both of them, you know, with Greenville and, of course, Charlotte. And uh, it was just – and the way Dusty looked at it, he was such a genius, Dave, is that you've been with your family all day, and by the end of the night, man, you're ready to kill them. 
or get away from them. <laughs> so that's why, why I think wrestling would do so good is you spend all day, uh, just like Thanksgiving, you know, with Starcade and, and all that for years. You spend all day with your family and you do Christmas and then now you're ready to get out of the house. And, uh, and that's how Dusty thought. And I loved it. It was just some special, special times and good payoffs. And, uh, it was, but it was always Christmas night. Yeah, that was a big show. Everybody worked towards that. I think Jim Ross said something years ago that he had uh, booked a tour when he was in talent relations for WF on Easter. And he said, you thought the guys thought I was trying to kill him. He said, but back yeah. in the day, this was what we did. Like, we booked all these holiday shows. That's right. And, you know, I don't think, I mean, you've talked about it before, Dave. Is, and I know that all the guys, uh, the boys, they work real hard now. But they, I mean... And I, I, you know, it's harder for me to do it now, one or twice a week or something like that. Whereas, you know, with Crockett here, when, when right, we had three towns running a night, you know, in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, we worked seven days a week. On Sundays, there would be two days. And you tell these young kids, I mean, two shows on a Sunday. And, you know, Matt May and then a late one that night. You tell these young kids that now, and they do. They, they think, well, why? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. and it's amazing how the business has changed. You know, all the guys make more money now wrestling less days than what we did. But, I, man, I loved it. I mean, I missed that part of it, of being on the road, you know, every day. And, and I, you know, I know that may never come back around, but, buddy, I sure hang on to those to those memories. But, you know, I told you I had lunch with Kane one time in, in, oh, yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. And, and he told me the same thing. I said, Kane, I wish, I wish I was in charge. <laughs> I'd put everybody back on the road. And, man, he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> he said, you know, we don't want to go back on the road, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I remember that. different times. You know, we were talking before, and you got a lot of stories talking about, like, the Road Warriors and stuff, and that got me thinking I wanted to ask you about a couple tag teams I know you've been in the ring with. The first one, what about the Midnight Express? Any good Midnight Express stories? Oh, they're the best ever. You know, a fan, it's amazing what the fans keep up with. You know, a lot of wrestling fans... They don't have a job, they ain't got no money in the bank, but they can tell you every diagram in wrestling. I mean, every fact. And uh, this fan sent me a, a nice message and said that they were big fans of mine. They said, uh, I didn't know if you knew this, but you're probably the only guy that has wrestled every version of the Midnight Express. And, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. He said, no, no, no. He said, I've got facts to back it up. And he sends me like a list of every... Midnight Express match I've ever had. And, and I worked with, you know, Randy Rose and Dennis. Yep. I worked with Dennis and Bobby. I worked with Bobby and Stan. And, and it was just kind of neat to see all of that. Uh, and he asked me, he said, you know, what was your favorite version? And I said, every one of them. Mm. Because they all were good. And, and I, you know, I'm good friends with Randy Rose now, who was very, very old school. And he was there from the beginning. And, of course, speak with Dennis and, Man, but, you know, Bobby, to me, uh, and I tell this all the time, Forget, I mean, the tag team saying pound for pound, the best I've ever seen in the world was Bobby Yeah. I mean, what was amazing, Dave, is he gets stuff when when we didn't even know what to call it. You know? Uh, that, that's like I, I always joke with people, if they ever put Bobby Eaton in the Hall of Fame, you know, it's going to be amazing to see who inducts him because they didn't even have names for some of the stuff Bobby was doing. You know, back then. And so the midnight, to me, was always an easy night. If you go back and see every match, Dave, that I had with midnight, 
they always gave me something. In other words, they could have just went out there and, you know, beat me up for 20 minutes or whatever. But i tell you a funny quick story is I wrestled them so much that when my oldest son, George Jr., who's like 35 now, when he was little, I would go up the Coronet and I'd say, Jimmy, you know, I'm, I'm working with your guys today. Would you mind just mentioning my name? This is when I was on TBS, Superstation, going all over the world. Mm. I said, my son's going to be watching. And as, as y'all were beating me up, could you just put a little plug in for my son? Mm. And they, it worked. I mean, many times, Cornette and him would, I mean, Dennis would be beating me up, and Cornette would be right there at TBS with Tony Giovanni, and he'd say, man, you know, we're beating George South up so bad, you know, little George is going to start crying. <laughs> well, see, my son was watching at home, and he thought it was the coolest thing in the world, uh, you know? He, he, he'd go to L.A. Anchor School Monday and Tuesday. He'd be the most over kid in the world, you know? Because yeah. all these other friends of his, these little kids have seen his name on TV. So. But, you know, they, they had, you know, everybody thinks rock and roll at midnight, but me and midnight could work with anybody. Dave, and, and they were they were some of my favorites. But that's kind of a badge of honor I, I love wearing, is that maybe I wear, I'm not sure, maybe somebody else, but to work for every version yeah. of, the, of the Midnight, and to me, they all were good. Yeah, no, they were all outstanding, and all they all had a little something different. I thought Stan really brought something different to it, but it was like they were both just really great teams. All of them. All of them. Right. Yeah. You mentioned well, you know, a lot Ivan, of both. Uh, Dave, Ivan related it to, you know, and I know we've all kind of slowed down as we get older, but any time I saw Dennis and Bobby, even towards the later years when they were doing like a reunion tour of getting back in the ring and, and you know, I'd hear some fans say, well, they're old. And I used to get so mad because I said, you better enjoy, you know, the midnight while they're here. And, and they're still out there doing it. And, and you know, it's like, I, it's like me and my, my favorite rock and roll band, Journey. You know, everybody says, who's your favorite lead singer? And I just say all of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm just glad, you know, I'm just glad Journey's still making music. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's crazy how people look at things. But, yeah, Midnight was, was the best. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you did say the Rock and Roll Express. What about them? Any, uh, any fun times with them in the ring? Oh, let me tell you something. I made a... I still uh, uh, love, you know, I talked to both of them, Ricky and Robert, and I just spoke with Ricky. You know, what's, you know what's amazing to me, Dave, being in this business so long is maybe about four months ago, I got to wrestle Ricky Morton's son, yeah. you know, Terry, yeah. yeah. and, and as, as the first time, you know, we know him as Moto, but he, I mean, you know what, you're talking about pressure. I went out there against his, with his son, with his dad in the audience, mm. Dave, and what a, what a special moment for me. To, to just men kind of go full circle, you know? And I told you, I, I love Ricky Morton so much, I, I would have married him years ago if he would have said yes. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, you know, they used to be, and I know I think I've shared this before, but the whole time my kids were growing up, I never bought a toy. I never bought uh, candy for my wife or roses because rock and roll, Dave, were getting so much stuff given to them at the shows, they couldn't take it all home. Mm. So what I would do at the end of the night is I'd go back to the dressing room, and you wouldn't believe the flowers and the cakes and the candy and the teddy bears. That, that they just couldn't put all of it in the car. They were over that much. Well, I, Dave, I rounded up every bit of that, you know, wow. and took it home <laughs> to my kids. You know, my, man, my 
kids thought I was the greatest dad on the, you know, in the world. Because I'd bring them, you know, teddy bear. I remember the first time I'd done it, I forgot to take the card out, you know. And I remember my, my son saying, well, who's Ricky and Robert? And uh, <laughs> I said, it's the name of the bears. <laughs> I had it all, man. But dang, they, they were just so much. You know, here's the difference, Dave, and I, I, I could talk all day, is is when I saw Ricky and Robert in the main event, I was never jealous. You know, you hear stories of some of the younger guys being jealous, you know, wishing that they were in that spot. And see, I never done that because I knew if Ricky and Robert was against Midnight in the main event and I was first match, everybody on that card was going to do good. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew that, man, they... My goodness, they uh, they they did they helped me raise my family. Uh, I'll be honest. I just thank Dennis and his wife the other day for just putting you know a lot of butts in the seats to help me pay my bills. Mm. And they did. And I'll never you know that sounds corny nowadays, but I, I'll never forget that. I knew if I was first match and I looked on that booking sheet and I saw rock and roll. My goodness. And I told you, I went up and, you know, Nelson Royal, uh, and forgive me if I'm sharing some of the stories, Dave, I've already said, but, you know, Nelson Royal, an old-timer, owned a, a Western store right outside of Charlotte. And all the boys that were making money used to go in there and buy these rattlesnake boots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved them. I've always loved cowboy boots. But they were like what Jake Roberts used to wear. I mean, from oh, yeah. the knee down to the ankle, just for probably $900 a pair. And I told you, I looked at Ricky Morton one time in Atlanta at TBS Studio, and I said, man, I love them boots. And you know what? I think I've told you, Dave. He said, do you want them? <laughs> and I said, well, of course. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Come by my house on Monday, you have them. And I thought, man, what a cruel joke. Yeah. You know, I thought, man, hey, Ricky, but you know what? I said, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> Dave, Monday morning, I went to his house, and he gave me those boots, <laughs> buddy. I got them at my house to this day. I mean, just, you know, stories like that that a lot of the fans never hear, but, man, I still have them. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing time. And even now, you know, with, with, with Ricky, I can go out there with him when we were working, and, and we still are, but, we, you know, think things are crazy with COVID. But, man, what a night off with him, you know, just to still do it the old-fashioned way and, and, and hear people chant rock and roll, man, it still gives me, you know, still gives me goosebumps, so. Oh, I was gonna say they just helped me feed my family for a lot of years, buddy. Yeah. No, I mean it, that's that's so awesome. You know, you're so grateful and you're so appreciative. It's one of the reasons why I like having you on, man. I, I was just thinking, I wanted to ask you before I forget. You worked with Kerry Morton, and you've also, I mean, you've worked with Dustin Rhodes in the past. I wonder what your record is for working like with father and sons in the ring because you've been in there with. You know, probably quite a few combinations. Yeah, with all of them. You know what was so funny, uh, Dave, it's so amazing that you said that, is right before me and you uh, spoke today is Ricky Steamboat's son, little Ricky. He had just texted me and sent me a picture of his Christmas, his family at Christmas. And what a beautiful picture. And so that just makes me, uh, of course, little Ricky, you know, I still call him little Ricky, but, you know, Ricky Steamboat's son, Richie, he's not in the business no more. has been out for some time, but but that bond, you know, that connection that I had when I was training him and and, and even, you know, Reed Flair, Rick Son, just that special bond that I had with those that will live on forever. Mm. And, you know, for, for, for Richie Steamboat today, 
as busy as we all are, to take time to just text me and tell me he loves me and send me a picture of his family. See, that things like that and, and being able to, you know, even train and, and, and work with a lot of these second generation, because I love their dads. You know, I, I mean, I was just so much respect for their dads. And, you know, I had a lady that wants her son to come to my wrestling school, Dave, and she's not a... She's not a very big fan, and I don't know if she knows all about me, but she was kind of asking for a resume. And I started laughing, you know, and I said, listen, I said, when Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat and Bobby Eaton, when they bring their sons to you, you better know what you're doing, lady. You know, I'm like, I'm going to give you a resume. You don't have time to mess up. So, but you know, Dustin, I mean, what, man, I'm so proud of him. You know, he's beginning to open up his own wrestling school mm. and i'm so excited you know about that i was there when he first started yeah. uh you know we you know everybody's heard of the great american bashes that that dusty did in charlotte you know we had thirty thousand people here in charlotte for a one-night wrestling show outdoors uh and you know what's funny dave is that stadium it, it, it ain't our panther stadium it's just an old football stadium it's still standing today in Charlotte, and every time I drive by there, you know, this is where Flair landed the helicopter in the middle of the field, and mm. but 30,000 people. Well, that day, Dustin was not even in the business yet, wow. and the walk from the dressing room to the ring was so long that they had to get us a golf cart, a golf cart, and they let Dustin drive. He was so young, he drove the golf cart to get us back and forth to the ring. So every now and then I still joke with you that, man, you've come a long way since that golf cart, you know? (laughs) You know, one other thing I wanted to ask you, too, speaking of sons, your son uh, recently wrestled for AEW, I saw. Yes. Man, let me tell you, I've been so excited over that, Dave. Man, I could preach from the mountaintop. You know, I've always said at my wrestling school, and I've always, you know, preached to my students, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up, no matter what somebody tells you. And here it is, my son. You're going to think I've been hit the head too many times. (laughs) Here it is, my son. He has not wrestled in over a year. He, he, I mean, he's gained a little weight like his daddy. And and he's he's, he's got three beautiful boys and a job. And and all of a sudden, Dave, his phone rings. (laughs) Now, listen, I, I can tell you this first. I had nothing to do with this. Everybody thinks, yeah, yeah, George Jr., his dad made a few phone calls. I said, no, if I could do that, I'd be down there. <laughs> if I could make a few phone calls, I'd be in AEW. But anyway, Dustin Rhodes called him just right out of the blue. Mm. Dave, you'll laugh at this. My son didn't believe it was Dustin. He put him on hold. <laughs> I said, you put Dustin on hold? But... Uh, Dustin laughed when he finally came back around, but, but he just invited my son down there. And my son was so excited, Dave. I mean, he, it was funny because his trunks are old. It was just a beautiful story because he did not expect it. He did not, he's always stayed in touch with Dustin, Dave. You know, they grew up together. And so he went down there. And uh, it was funny, he's so much like me. See, wrestling fans don't understand. They think you just show up and go to the ring, Dave, and get your money and you leave. They don't realize that the the sitting around and the patience Mm. that 
Right. I mean, if you go to the range, there's no fans. I've never done that. So yeah. it's kind of kind of neat. I mean, he had a great time and got to see. It's amazing how this business is that when he got there in that dressing room, the first people to acknowledge him was Tully, Arn. I mean, just, wow. you know, of course, Dustin. It, it, it's all of the people that his dad, that his dad. Dude, ain't that amazing? It uh, is, Dave. man. That's crazy. Uh. And, and you know, it goes. And, and here's the best advice, Dave. I've told everybody: the secret to longevity in this business is just don't be a jerk. Right. Simpleness. Mm-hmm. See, if I would have been a jerk in my days, I don't think Tully and Arn would have been so receptive of my son. Does that make sense? Oh, hundred. I was thinking this the whole time you were saying this, man. Like, if you weren't such a good guy and you didn't get along with them, like. I'm sure they wouldn't have got a, a phone call. You know what I mean? And it's I think not, that's something. Yeah. It has nothing to do with talent sometimes. I mean, talent, you need talent, but sometimes exactly. you just have to be a good person, too. you got to be able to interact with you them. You sure do. All right. You, listen, I, you, could, you could write a book. Mm. Listen, you know the number one thing I tell my students in all my years of training? I have never ran anybody off because of their ability. Mm. Because I know we're all different. It takes some people... Longer times to learn a headlock. But I've ran a bunch of people off because of their attitude. If that makes sense. And I work with your ability. But man, if you're a jerk, man, I ain't got time for that. So so my son would not even have been welcome in that dressing room if if his dad years ago would have been a jerk. You can't do it. And, and, and I just, uh, but I'm awful proud of him. You know, and then I will change the subject, David. You know what made me most proud is every match with AEW and WWE, they have an agent. In other words, an older guy, old school guy, he's yep. an agent for your match. So no matter what you suggest, if that agent don't agree with it, they're going to shoot it down. Mm. So... His agent for their match was Jerry Lynn, who I have loved forever. And uh, so when they went to put their little match together, can you believe this, Dave? They, those kids that my son was in that tag match with, they let my son line up this match. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, Dave, when he told me that, I was a nervous wreck. I thought, oh, my goodness, he's going to be jumping off the barriers and, you know, but. Uh, you know, catching somebody on fire, you know, because he was a big ECW fan back in the day. But, <laughs> but anyway, but Jerry Lynn came over and he asked him, he said, what are y'all doing? And when my son spoke up, Jerry Lynn said, man, that's great. And he just walked off. Awesome. So for me to be a trainer and a dad and, and just an old school guy, that's the greatest reward ever for me that Jerry Lynn, they were on the same page. Mm. My son kept it very simple. Dave, he didn't do nothing stupid. You know, I, I, it was funny because when it was over, I told everybody he was a little bit nervous, my son. And I had this one idiot. He said, what? He's been in the business for years. What was he nervous for? And I said, well, he had Cody Rhodes and Dustin watching. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I said, oh, that would make me nervous, too. I said, yeah, I think it would. But I was so proud of him. I was so, I was so proud of him. And he, he, uh, but that's how this business is. You can be unemployed, not a job, and the next day you get a phone call. Now, I know that's kind of crazy and nowadays.
always told people, I've never heard in my lifetime of somebody getting a dark match and then getting a job. And people say, well, what do you mean, George? Now, I'm not saying they don't bring you in, Dave, and take a look at you, but they already know about you. Listen, in my day, without the Internet and YouTube and all that, when Vincent Yang called you up there, I promise you he's already found out all he needs to know about you. Dave, does that make sense? Oh, 100%. So, yeah. everybody say, yeah, I'm going to do a dark match, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, that's, that's okay, that's good. But they already know. Listen, when you get there that night, they already know everything in the world about you, Dave. Hmm. They do. With just a flick of a button, you know? Uh, I told you when uh, my boy Cedric, who I'm so proud of, you know, with WWE, you know, he was one of my students. Yeah. I, I told you when he had his first meeting with WWE, he took a... He took an old school portfolio down there. I mean, publicity pictures, VHS tapes, you know, yeah. and they didn't want to see any of it. I mean, they already told him, we've done, we know everything we need to know about you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, see, Dave, to back up a little bit, that's why I tell my students now that y'all need to be careful what you post on Facebook. Sure. You need to be co you know, careful what you put on social media. Because if you look like an idiot, first of all, I'm going to be mad at you. Mm -hmm. But you don't know who sees this. And so I'm sure there's a lot of guys that never get a chance, never get a look at, Dave, because of something stupid they said or done. You oh. just got to be very careful. So, 100%. But anyway, you know that, and it's just, man, just act like you got, I tell everybody, it ain't brain surgery. Just <laughs> act like you got some sense. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, 100%. I, um, and nowadays, too, I mean, not so much this year because everything going on with COVID has been in the news, but I remember about last year around this time hearing people getting drugged through the mud over stuff they said 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Can you believe that? Yeah. And I, you know what's funny is, is, is you know this, Dave. See, I, I tell everybody every day that I'm a mess up. <laughs> I tell everybody that I have messed up, I've screwed up. I made so many mistakes. So if you hear about it on TMZ News, don't freak out. You know, <laughs> I've already told you I'm a screw-up. Right, right. But, you know, so let me tell you first that I'm a mess up. But what's amazing, Dave, is it, it just blows my mind sometimes that I'm all about second chances. And, 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 and because none of us would stand a chance if we didn't get a second chance. And, you know, I, I, but I agree with you on that. I'm thinking, holy cow, man, what is it? It's like people don't have nothing better to do than go back and find something that oh, we may have said or, or, or done. And, and, and that's why I just tell people up front, you know, whatever you need to know, just ask me. Just, but I know that, you know, I've been, you know, all my mess-ups have been washed away. And, man, I, every day is a brand-new day, especially in the in the wrestling business. You know, they like I told you, I went up to Eddie Gilbert one time. See, Eddie Gilbert, who I love to death, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert, he was famous for burning bridges. In other words, you go back, and, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a secret in the wrestling business that he would he would quit anywhere. He didn't care if you planned on a big angle with him, but if he wanted to leave, he left. And I remember he walked out of different companies, and, and I saw him in WCW one day. I mean, boom, just like nobody even knew he was coming. So I pulled him in the hallway, and I hugged him, and I said, Eddie, how the heck do you do it? <laughs> I mean, you... You, you burn a bridge and they hire you back. <laughs> and Dave, he looked right at me and gave me the greatest advice. He said, listen, kid, he said, if they think they can make money with you, they forget. Yeah, <laughs> Ain't yeah. that crazy? And I said, man, that's so 
one thing I wanted to ask you, it's funny. Sometimes like when I go to interview you, I'll just put in a uh, YouTube George South versus, and I'll just see how many different people you wrestled. And yeah. I, I, one of the days that popped up, I wanted to ask you about this this time was the great Muda because I thought to right. myself, that's something I've never asked anyone too. Like when you have a language difference, like how does that right. match come about? What are the, you know? Well, and, and see, Dave, you know what's so special again? And, and this is kind of a, a badge of honor, too, that a wrestling fan just told me. You know, last November in Winston-Salem, I wrestled Great Muda yeah. in our huge WrestleCade event, and he spit the green mist in my face. Do you know, Dave, that I may be the last human to ever get that green mist? Oh, you know, they won't, with COVID, they won't let him do it anymore. And so I may be the last, <laughs> the last guy to ever get that. But you know what a lot of fans don't know is when he first started, Gary Hart brought him in to Jim Crockett. Mm-hmm. And see, I wrestled him his first match here years ago for Jim Crockett. Right. And he can speak a little bit of English now, but back then he didn't know anything. And believe it or not, Dave, I wrestled him in Raleigh, North Carolina, where it was the only arena that the dressing rooms were not together. In other words, we couldn't uh, talk. Jared Hart didn't talk. The first time I ever seen Great Muda was he was standing across the ring from me. Mm. So see, then 95% of the guys in wrestling now would have took off running the other direction mm. because they didn't have a chance to talk it over and... I'm so thankful, Dave, for the way I was trained that uh, I was able to go out there even then with Muda. And, and see, I always, Dave, I've told you before, I always knew my job. I knew, nobody had to tell me that Great Muda's the star, mm-hmm. Dave. And I knew that early on. I, I didn't want to be the star. I wanted to go out there and make Great Muda look ten times as good as I could. In other words, just anything I could do. And that's why over the years, Dave, that I work with so many great guys is they all ask for me. Because I knew, and you say, George, that sounds so silly, but believe me, there's been many of guys, Dave, that would have gotten a ring with Great Muda and thought Great Muda was supposed to put them over. Uh I mean, and so... I still have at the house in my wrestling museum my tights from that night for Crockett where he spit mm-hmm. the green mist on me and it died. It turned everything I had green. And I never washed it. I was such a mark. Uh, so listen, last November, when we went to the ring, uh, it was funny because Sonny Ono was helping me. I wanted to tell Greg Muda that I had wrestled him like 35 years ago. And it was funny because without Sonny Alno, I know Greg Muda thought I was nuts. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to do these hand signals and trying to tell him that it was such an honor back then and we're getting ready to do it again. And, and so to go out there and, and, and do it again, uh, but, you know, it was so funny, Dave. I, we had eight camera people at the ring, and I had kind of gave every one of them a little nudge that, because I, I wanted this picture of Muda spitting that green mist on me. Right, right. And so, here's a little secret, Dave, that nobody knows. I was supposed to give Great Muda the claw first, and we were going to work the claw, uh, and then he was going to spit it. 
crazy it is to believe they would think it's Muda's job to put them over. I just had, I had Trevor Murdoch here like two weeks ago. We're talking and he told me a story like, because I found out he worked a match with Ming when he was very young. And he was telling me a story that uh, right before that, Ming had kind of worked with another kid. And apparently the kid decided it was a good idea to start telling Ming what they were going to do in the ring. And I guess that lasted off about... One minute before Ming slapped the guy and dropped him to a knee. <laughs> Dave, I saw two guys from Georgia, two big old guys. They wrestled Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Mike Rotundo yeah. when they were part of the varsity club. Oh, and in the dressing room, you could tell that these two guys from Georgia, they were real loud and obnoxious. I mean, they were just jerks, and I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. But I could tell right away that I think they thought that they were going to go out there and manhandle Mike Rotundo and Dr. Death. Bad idea. And so <laughs> I, I thought, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> and literally, I, I was right. You, on paper, you wouldn't even believe that somebody could be that stupid. But these two big jacked-up guys thought that, you know, this is their big break. Mm. And, man, I'm going to tell you what, Dr. Death, if you could imagine from, a, from an old cartoon where somebody gets shoved, like Popeye gets shoved in a trash can, you know, where he's just bent with his head and his legs sticking out the top of the trash can. That's literally what Dr. Death and Mike Rotundo did to these two guys. Uh, I mean, they're they're probably still stuck in those trash cans, but the mentality of guys thinking that, listen, I saw a guy get in a ring with Jerry Lawler 
not too long ago before COVID hit. And this guy actually thought that Jerry Lawler was going to like, you know, this guy thought he was the king, <laughs> not Jerry Lawler. And I don't think I've ever heard Jerry Lawler get mad in my whole life. But that night, you saw how tough Jerry Lawler was. Oh. And it's just the stupidness. And, and you know, Dave, I've told you the secret to my longevity. People always ask me, man, how have you lasted? Dave, I just did the opposite right. of what I've seen wrestlers do. <laughs> you know what? I just did the opposite of what all these goofy people have done, and I've just lasted. I, so, I was, Chris was very special. I was just hearing a story, actually, because uh, unfortunately, uh, Danny Hodge just passed away as we're doing this, and I was hearing a story about people would make that mistake sometimes with Hodge, you know, and Hodge was like, yeah. one of the most decorated, like, competitors of all time in amateur wrestling. Right. Hey, hey, Dave, you know, one time I asked Nelson Royal, who was big, he was as old school as you could get, I said, how come... See, I wrestled Lutez. Right. When I was, I had just turned 18 years old, and Lutez was still working some independent shows. Well, this promoter put me in there with him. And I, I knew who Lou was from the magazines, but man, I'm 18 years old, man. I'm, I'm filling my oaks. <laughs> you know, what's this old man going to do? <laughs> and I actually walked into Lutez's dressing room, if you can believe this, and I had the old Tribune show print poster hanging up at my house while wrestling. But I walked in his dressing room and started to tell him what I was going to do. I mean, I was telling him, I was telling Lutez my, my favorite moves. I mean, what I was going to do to him. <laughs> Dave, he stopped me right in my tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he got me nose to nose and said, first of all, you're going to shut up. <laughs> and let me tell you something. We went out there, and, and, and now he, believe me, I shut up too. I didn't back talk him. But I always ask, because see, I felt Luke Diaz, even at his older age, I felt how powerful that man was. I mean, he could have killed me at any time. And he let me know, you know, that he was in charge. But when you settle down, Dave, and, and work with these guys, you can have an unbelievable match. Right. But see, it's like Danny Hodge. I asked Nelson Royal, I said, how tough was Luke? And Nelson used to laugh and say, well, we never really knew because everybody was afraid to try. <laughs> so, see, I'm not, you know, these guys were tough, but if you had any sense, you never tried to find out, Dave. You just, you know, it was funny because we used to say, look, this may not have been, you know, all that tough, but who was going to find out? <laughs> not right. me. Yeah. You know? If you were smart, you didn't so, want to know the answer to that. <laughs> yes. And see, even now at my school, Dave, I've got a, I saved a message on my phone of this guy that I've never met. He called my wrestling school, and he spends 20 minutes telling me about all of his karate awards. <laughs> I mean, he's black belt. I, you know, it's funny because when you hear his, his awards, you're thinking, why the heck does he need me for? <laughs> you know, he needs to be fighting Chuck Norris somewhere. But... It's funny because he tells on himself because he says he gives me all these awards, 10-time black belt, 10-times this, and, and you can tell he's out of breath as he's talking. I mean, brother done blowed up, you know, on the phone. And so uh, I didn't even, you know, guys like that. But it's amazing how, I don't care how tough you are. You know, Hulk Hogan has said many times that he probably couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. But he hasn't had to. Right. You know, he's got, you know, how many dollars in the bank. So this business, and what nobody understands, Dave, as tough as it is, we don't care how tough you are. Right. And that doesn't mean you're going to draw 
everybody in that ring with you. And, and, and I'm telling you, you're like me. I've had some of the best matches in the world with me because I know who he is. And I respect what he does. And, and, and I go out there and I do my job. You know? You know, when I went down, I mean, you talked about it. When I went down last year to the NWA, you know, in, uh, in Atlanta, and I got to wrestle, uh, wrestle Steve Carino's son. Right, right. You know, I knew before I got there the finish. Nobody told me what we were going to do. Nobody had to tell me. But I knew my job. And I wasn't going down there to Atlanta. I don't care if they were going to put the NWA belt on me. I wasn't going to do it. I knew my job. And my job was to go out there and put Colby Carino over. And he's such a great kid, man. I, I love him to death. And, and so nobody came up to me. And all those agents, NWA, I don't care if they were. Man, they had 12 agents come up to me. <laughs> that I, you know, I'm thinking, holy cow, guys, relax. And I knew what my finish was going to be in that match. And and it was. And, and it worked great. You know, winning. And I, I, they've all seen guys quit and leave the territory because they had to lose a match. Dave. Wild. Listen, I used to get beat. I told you this. Magnum T.A. used to beat me in like three seconds. You know, that was his gimmick with a belly-to-belly. Right, right, and I right. remember walking back from the ring, and the security guard was helping me. And I was selling, you know, my back. And, and as I was walking back, these fans were laughing. You know, they're throwing stuff at me. Oh, you loser. You loser. You got beat in three seconds. <laughs> and i never forget. I looked over at that security guard, and he just grinned from ear to ear. You know? He knew, yeah, yeah, you really, you really got beat. You just made 400 bucks for like, you know, three seconds of work. Right, right. You know? And so I said, yeah, I, I can beat you like that anytime. <laughs> George, you're always great with stories, man. I know you're um, training a class today. And why don't you, before you go, why don't you promote your uh, book and school and anything else you want, man? Yeah, buddy. I appreciate Dave y'all so much, man. I, I, I tell you, I, I love... Man, we could talk all day, okay. buddy. I do, and, and I, it, believe me, you know, y'all, y'all are first class. There's a lot of interviews I do. Man, I did one the other week, a podcast, and I ought to mention their name, but they listen. And I understand things get busy, but they put me on hold for 38 minutes. <laughs> Dave, I'm not making that up. 38 minutes, uh, and I can't. Why? If I if I wasn't, you know, I don't know. The, the, the devil almost came out in me, buddy. Let me tell you. I'm glad it did, George. I'm glad it did. Oh, my God. They finally got on and never apologized. And, <laughs> and we did the interview, but I was pretty much, you know, and I understand things happen. But so so what I'm saying is all podcasts ain't the same. No. Let me tell you, buddy. Just like wrestling matches. But anyway, man, they can come to georgesouth.com. That's my little website. And, and of course, they can, they can look at my book. And you know what's amazing, Dave, is I've got a new book out. That's my, I think we may have mentioned it last time. It's every match I've ever had. Oh, right, right. In other right. words, hmm. this guy, he did a results book for me. And uh, it was so funny because he, I'm so proud of it. There's over 12,000 matches in this book. And, the dates, the who I wrestled, and a few pictures and stuff. But, but it was funny when he gave me the book. Nobody had seen it. And he was sweating. I mean, I told you, Dave, here's a nervous wreck. And I remember I said, Jason, what is wrong with you? And he said, man, I just want you to like it. <laughs> and I said, buddy, you just you just typed my name 12,000 times. I ain't never going to tell you that I don't like this book, even if I did. But, and then I asked him, I said, are you still married? 
Like, there's no way your wife would let you stay up all night typing George House names. So, so I got that. I've got, you know, what's cool, Dave? These are the hottest film things in the world. And, you know, I've got my own slam buddy out, which is very similar to what WWF did years ago with their wrestling buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so we, we've got, got a great guy in a company that does mine. And, and it's funny because every time I come up with an ideal, some smart aleck on Facebook says, man, that's stupid. And so what I do is, if they just shut up, Dave, these ideas would just go away. Yeah. Okay? But when they tell me it's stupid, then it puts me on a mission. Right. And so, uh, you know, so when I sell my hundredth, and I'm on my way to doing it, when I sell my hundredth slam buddy of me, I'm going to dedicate it on Facebook to this guy. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> were stupid. You I mean, told me that was a water bottle. And give it to them. <laughs> you, you told me that with the water, too. I remember someone did that. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with the water. When I, when I sold my uh, 500 bottle of water, I did a Facebook Live and dedicated it to the guy. <laughs> That's so, so good. you know, it's been quiet. Let me, it's funny because my daughter said, man, if y'all people would just shut up, my dad would just, these ideals would just go away. But, <laughs> you know, y'all get him fired up. But they, but they didn't come to my website. Uh, even about my wrestling school, uh, we're still, even with COVID, of course, there's a lot of, you know, rules and stuff, but I'm still able to train. You know, we're just, we're just still doing it and working around it. You know, it's amazing, Dave, that the law says if when I get you in the ring, you can take your mask off. Right. Okay, I'd beat the crap out of you, but when you step out on that floor, you got to put your mask on. Right. <laughs> that tells me what. Now, I don't understand that at all, yeah. buddy. But but we're doing it, and uh, you know I'm hoping that you know people people ask me all the time what I think of the Thunderdome and and and, and you know WWE and man that's okay for now, but I'm hoping that ain't the way that wrestling's going to be because there's nothing like a live crowd. Right. You know, Dave, and, and I know we got to be safe and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, but, man, I'm hoping that wrestling in empty buildings is not the future Same. of pro wrestling. 100%. You know, and, and I'm just, and so I, I, I mean, I know we're doing what we got to do, but I tell fans all the time, you know, no, I don't like it. I mean, I know that the guys are getting to work and, and we're still getting wrestling, but that ain't, man... You know, we need to be around people, and, and, and you know, that's what I'm working towards. And, and I, I'm, I'm being very safe, you know, in my mask and all this goofy stuff. But, man, pro wrestling belongs in, 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 in arenas. Yeah. Man, where you can still get an autograph and smell the popcorn. And, I mean, I think I'll be saying that 100, 100 years from now when we do a podcast, Dave. I love I'm it, I'm going to still be saying that, okay? I love it. I love it. George? But I appreciate you, man. I do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. Speaking of 2021, as always, the year kicks off with Wrestle Kingdom. This year, it is Wrestle Kingdom 15. And Dave, before we get into the card, are you excited about a two-day card this year? No, I have not been focused on New Japan as I should. I'm really kind of not sure what to expect. Uh, I will say this. I just purchased New Japan World, though, just for the simple fact I wanted to watch Wrestle Kingdom this year. So hopefully I'll uh, get excited. But mm. Yeah, I think last year the two-day Wrestle Kingdom was very exciting. This year, like you said, I haven't been paying as much attention, but 
I don't feel the same excitement for it. Now, uh, let's go over the card real quick. Um, the January 4th show is going to kick off with the uh, King of Pro Wrestling Ran Bout, which is basically their New Japan Rumble. And it's going to crown that King of Pro Wrestling champion, which is that trophy that the guy that wins it defends it throughout that calendar year. That's what's kicking it off. I'm, I'm not terribly excited for it. Well, I mean, those things are usually fun if you have any, like, fun surprise entrance, almost like a Royal Rumble, right? So if that happens, then, you know, but there's nothing like, that doesn't seem like must-see. Now, second match on the list is Hiromu Takahashi versus El Fantasmo. I don't know if you're familiar with Fantasmo. He's a, definitely a good junior heavyweight over there. And obviously, Hiromu is just wild. Yeah, no, I have really seen a little bit of, yeah, that should be a fun match. That should be exciting. Yeah, I feel like that's really going to get the energy of the night going. Because next we have Taichi and the uh, other ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr. versus the Gorillas of Destiny. Now, Gabe, I know you don't watch the indies, but this is for the <laughs> IWGP tag title. And I I personally would like to see the titles on Taichi and Zack because as good as the Gorillas of Destiny are, I kind of get tired of them as tag champions. Joe, I know what you're saying, but at the end of the day, ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Yeah, you got your point there. Thank now, you. Next up, we have Kenta versus Juice Robinson for the IWGP U.S. title briefcase. And who do you see? I see Kenta, but I'd like to see Juice. I I think Juice should uh, be due for something big. I really enjoy Juice. So. Yeah, and either way, they're really trying to line somebody up for maybe Moxley if he ever gets back over to Japan. Yeah. It's it's, it's going to be interesting. I I'm going to pick Juice just because I feel like if they don't get Moxley back over there, you get the title on Juice and then you have Kent to take the title off Juice to get the title to Kenta eventually. Now, next list Next up on the list is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan. Ugh, Great Okan, baby. <laughs> no, thank you. Sell. So, wait, we're not doing that segment. <laughs> see, I see Tanahashi putting over the Great Okan. Like, it seems like a weird matchup, but it just seems like a chance to give Okan that rub with that Tanahashi match. Nah, I think you're right. I'm just not excited about it. Yeah. Now, next up, what feels like would be the main event, Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay. Yeah. Now, there is something I get excited about. Uh, I'm, uh, ah, man, it's probably going to be Okada, but I'm, I'm pulling for Ospreay. I really like Ospreay this year. See, I feel like it's going to be Ospreay because he was making a push to get into the heavyweight division, and I feel like this is his... It's his first show that I'm aware of on the huge, on the big stage where he's coming out as a heavyweight. So I kind of see Okada doing the same thing that I'm guessing Tanahashi's doing and putting over the young talent or newer talent. Not that Osprey's that young. Now, the last match of this night is Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi for the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles. Oh, man, I'm going for Kota Obushi all day. I think this is his time, and uh, I love me some Golden Star. So I'm hoping uh, he pulls this off. As much as I like Naito, and I think Naito would set up interesting for the next night's match, I want to see Ibushi take these titles and really kind of run with it. 
Now, that's the first night. The second night kicks off with a dark match featuring Stardom Talent. I don't know who it is. We're not going to be able to see it. I think it is really kind of a tragedy that they will have these Stardom matches as dark matches, but not televised. We need to get that guy to talk to us uh, a few weeks ago on the 531 who had that story about from Stardom. Remember that guy? Yeah, I didn't write his name down, but he does the Destino, mm-hmm. the New Japan wrestling pro wrestling podcast. Yeah. So we will definitely have to have him on because I haven't seen enough Stardom and I kind of want to get more familiar with it. Same. Now, next up, I've got a four-way match for the King of Pro Wrestling title. Nobody's listed, so we're not even going to fucking guess. <laughs> the The next match after that is El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kinamaru. I pronounce that like AJ. <laughs> versus Master Wado and Ryusuke Taguchi for the IWGP Junior Tag Titles. Master Wado doesn't seem to really uh, win whenever I watch him. So I like his luck. <laughs> he seems like he has great matches, but every time I see him, he ends up losing. So... Watto, no. <laughs> yeah, especially Taguchi. He's a good wrestler, but I don't know if I necessarily see them putting the tag titles on. No, 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 definitely not. Now, Jake is definitely going to be pumped for this next match. Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb for the never open weight title. Yeah, yeah, two guys that I think are a little underrated overall. I really like. I'm a Jeff Cobb guy all day, though. I'd love to see Jeff Cobb win this. Definitely. I see Shingo just because... He, he had such a good year this year, I figured keep that momentum going. Now, next matchup, Sonata versus Evil. I think we're going to let the silence say everything. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's about as much I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> the match after this, Taiji Ishimori versus the winner of Hiromu and the El Fantasmo match. And this match will be for the IWGT Junior Heavyweight title. Well, that's going to depend on who wins the night before. That's the tough thing about these two-day shows. It's it's like you could have an awesome match or you could have a decent match, depending how it falls. I think if you've got Ishimori versus Hiromu, they'll knock it out of the park. Ishimori versus El Fantasmo, it's not going to be bad, but it's not going to be Hiromu level. Mm -hmm. Now, the final match of the night... Mm -hmm is the winner of Naito and Ibushi versus Jay White for the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles. How uh, excited are you for this match? Well, it depends. If my boy the Golden Star wins, then uh, I'm a little more excited because I don't want to see him lose. So I'm <laughs> a more vested interest. You know what I mean? Like Because I can see Jay White pulling this off, and I, I really won't want him to. But if it's Naito, I like Naito, but... Naito's kind of been there, done that, so I guess my interest is not as high if it's Naito. Yeah, I mean, Jay White has been there and done that as well, and I found him, his run with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship didn't feel right to me, but it, it was what it was. So, like we just said with the last match, it kind of depends who wins and who falls into this spot, and it could be good. I, I really think a one-night format... They got to go back to, unless they have a big enough card, to necessitate two nights. That's just how I see it. Mm, Agreed. Now, we got one last thing to talk about going into the new year. We don't have the usual Beyond Wrestling Heavy Lies the Crown show. But GCW is offering 
two nights of events on Fight TV. If you buy it as a two pack, you get it for twenty bucks. If you buy it separately, it's thirteen ninety nine. So it's worth it in the two pack. But GCW is running their Good Riddance show at nine p.m. on December thirty first, featuring an I Quit match between G Raver and Jimmy Lloyd. Now I know most of our crowd isn't going to be familiar with GCW, and I'm going to say you're probably not either, Dave. So I know about Jimmy Lloyd. All kind of yep. He's been big there, and I see him almost as the next big talent to go to AEW. You've got AJ Gray versus Slack. Oh, AJ Strange, bro. I told you about with the uh, hold, hold up a second, Randy. <laughs> uh, Schlack is the guy at the backyard wrestling event that had like an M80 set off it looked like on his leg yeah I know who Schlack is <laughs> now we got the match of the night I think with ACH versus Jordan Oliver I'm mm. very excited about that don't forget uh, the super match, bitch Atticus versus Elena and then Iron Beast versus CTE I am not familiar with those last few talents but anytime I order a GCW show, it always lives up to the hype. Now, January 1st, they are running their 56 night show. That's at 7 p.m. And it features a GC title ma- GCW title match between Ricky Shane Page and Alex Cologne. That's going to be a wild match. Mm. Blake Christian versus Lee Moriarty. Lee Marshall? Ver- Sorry. <laughs> ACH versus Tony Deppin, which I am very excited about. Tony Deppin showed out huge at final battle, and I think he's going to put up a hell of a match versus ACH. We got Chris Dickinson versus Radrick. Mm. Not familiar with who Radrick is, so fuck that. <laughs> and Mance Warner versus Calvin Tank. Oh. I cannot wait for this match. Yeah. Out of any of these. Yeah, Mance is always like, fun. Yeah, like like I said, not everybody is going to be familiar with GCW. And we know Josh DeBoard doesn't watch the indies. But if you want to take a chance on a show and kind of see what the higher levels of indie wrestling is doing right now, check out GCW. And you will not be disappointed. For 20 bucks. this will be worth your money. Now, Dave, we're just at 2021's doorstep. Mm. Are you ready for next year? I mean, we've got big plans for the podcast. We've got, we're hoping things open back up and we see a more regular wrestling show. What are you most looking forward to in wrestling in 2021? Right now, let's just keep it short-term goals. I'm looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I hope that uh, they have a great Royal Rumble, and I hope we get some people there because the Royal Rumble was one of my favorite events last year with Edge coming back. And, you know, I'd like to see another good Royal Rumble. Uh, AEW will, uh, has a couple big shows lined up coming up, and NXT has the New Year's Evil. So hopefully those shows continue to kick it out of the park. I hope the Wednesday night audience continues to grow as a whole for both. I hope SmackDown keeps putting on good shows, and I hope somehow Raw turns the corner, even though that's, like, the worst thing going right now for me. See, I'm personally looking forward to that Blood and Guts War Games match whenever that happens. I'm looking forward to a full year of MLW. I think they came back very strong with their restart, and I think they're only going to produce better as the year goes on. Other than that, those are the only things, like, 
I'm wishing or like looking forward to specifically. I just want to see wrestling continue to get better. Obviously, I'd like to see the WWE turn the corner, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take some very drastic shakeups for that to happen. I hope the NWA Obviously, comes back. That definitely. That almost has to be the number one because we were talking amongst ourselves that if NWA ran all year, they would have been top of our list for a couple more things. Absolutely. And we're just looking forward to next year, guys. We're glad you guys stayed with us this year. Tomorrow or next year is going to be the start of season three for us. Mm-hmm. I kind of set our seasons as the year goes. So we're just ready to continue delivering for you guys. And thank you very much. Buy the shirts where you can. Listen to us where you can. We got the live show Wednesday nights. Read the articles we put up on what-the-buzz.com. And guys, thank you very much for listening to three guys talk to no one in particular in the comfort of their homes. Or two of us do it from the comfort of our homes. Hmm. One, I don't think he does it comfortably ever, but sometimes (laughs) he's in mysterious locations. Well, I think there's only one thing left to say. Uh, Everybody, happy uh, New Year. And uh, (laughs) kiss our ass. (laughs) We are desperately out of time. Good night. Dave, you wanted to do a segment kind of looking at guys' careers going into 2021. Yeah. A little uh, stock segment, you know. I forget, somebody used to do a segment similar to this, but buy or sell. So if these wrestlers were a stock, you know, would you buy in them in 2021? Or would you sell them? Like, uh, I don't like where this is going. So, I'm going to throw some names. how many guys do you got? Well, I'm going to make it up off the top of my head because I'm (laughs) unprepared. But I have have names, luckily, in my mind. And I'm ready for this segment. Okay, I wrote four down. Okay, very good. Well, I'll kick off. I want to say right off the way, well, one of the guys that we just had in our um, breakout star of 2020, Darby Allen. Is this going to be even a bigger year for him? 2021, or is he going to start to go down a little? Or does he maintain? I'm going to buy only because the Sting Association is just starting. Mm-hmm. So I think that, depending on how AEW plays it, that could go through the roof. So yeah. I think you have to buy on Darby Allen. Agreed. I'm going to hit you with one. Tetsuya Naito, buy or sell in 2021. I didn't like his 2020, so I think he's due for a bigger 2021. I'm going to buy. Wow, see, I'm going to sell because even though I'm a Naito fan and he belongs on top, it feels like, what, he started the year with the double championship but then ended with it. He lost it for a little bit in the middle there. I just think that Maybe he's hit a rut in New Japan. Mm -hmm. And as much as I like him, I don't see next year like doing a ton for him. Could be right. I'm going to go something different here. Rather than a performer, I'm going to give you an option here. Blood and Guts, the AEW War Games. Do we see it in 2021? You buying we seeing this or you selling? Nah, we ain't getting that yet. It really depends on if crowds come back, right? I don't know. I'm going to buy because they've got partial crowds down there. Yep. And Florida doesn't seem to give a fuck, so mm-hmm. maybe if they open their restrictions a little bit, we can see it by the end of the year, hopefully. Uh, you know what? And I think we're getting gearing towards that. I said it before. I think this is going to be the Nightmare family with Sting, maybe Darby, and they're going to be taking on Team Taz. Marty Skrull. Ooh. Until this guy shows up, I'm selling. I can't, you know, like I got to see him 
Right now, we're not seeing anything about Marty at all. He could have an awesome year, but we haven't even seen him yet. So with nothing to go on, get rid of that stock, man. I don't need it in my life right now. I am right there, too. I wanted to include him because it's a tough choice because I think I heard this year that he's the booker of ROH. Mm-hmm. And you would like to hope he returns, but we don't know if he's going to return until things kind of get sorted out more. So even though we're all Marty Skrull fans, it's kind of hard to buy on a prospect that you don't know is necessarily coming back. Rhea Ripley, is she going to bounce back and have a phenomenal year, or is she going to founder? If she stays in NXT, 100% buy. Mm-hmm. If they somehow pull her to the main roster... It's going to be a sell. Okay. Because if she stays under the NXT UK or NXT banner, I think she'll be booked properly and stay where she needs. She's going to get lost in that mix of ladies if she goes up. I'm going to buy no matter what. I think even if she gets to the main roster, I'm not saying it'll be her year. You can never guarantee with that thing. But she does have the potential with her look. Big, strong, blonde. (laughs) Vince seems to like this. So I'm going to say she's got a shot. 100%. Now, how are you feeling about Jey Uso next year? Ah, that's a very interesting choice. You know, one could have argued he didn't make any of our lists. He could have been a breakout guy this year almost. Jey Uso, you know, the thing about Jey, he's delivering. He's delivering in all these segments. He's delivering these matches. However, what if you take Roman out of the equation? What if there's no Roman there? What happens when this storyline runs its course? Roman's going to be fine. I'm not worried about Roman. But what about Jay? You know what? In the meantime, look, I said Marty. There's nothing to go on, right? So I don't want to buy it. However, I'm worried about Jay, but I haven't seen any reason to worry about him yet. They're doing big things with him. So I'm going to buy. I'm buying in. Jay Uso, baby. Uso! I'm selling for 100% the reason you brought up. Okay. And this storyline runs its course. What's going to happen with him? And can they keep the storyline going long enough till his brother comes back and he can safely land in something else? It's not saying he's a bad performer, but once he's not associated with Roman anymore, his time in WWE is going to become difficult. Oos. I hear that oos in the corner over there. <laughs> All right. Like said, little Thor here is attacking. <laughs> I got one more guy I'm going to hit you with left. Dominic Mysterio. I mean, the guy showed up. He had some stuff going on. He did great for his first couple matches, involved in some big, big feuds. But he's been nowhere to be found. And he still is a very young rookie. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I think if he goes to NXT, it could work out really well for him. But who knows? What uh, what are you doing? Buying or selling Dominic? 100% buying. I think he showed... I mean, he wasn't wild this year, but he didn't have a bad start. Mm -hmm. But I think given more time, WWE is not going to give up on that Mysterio name. So I think he's only got upside this year. Very good. You got any more for me? I got one last one for you as well. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Interesting. Interesting. Man, I did not like the way things ended with Bray. However, this guy is a creative son of a bitch. He's one of the guys that can talk. I believe that somehow Bray is going to reinvent himself again. I'm a big supporter and believer in Bray. I'm going to say I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy for the same reason. I put him on the list because I thought it would be tempting to sell considering we're going into 2021 and we don't 
have a set return for us. Right. He has gone away, and we don't know when he's coming back. And it's almost like, are you invested enough in the guy to trust that whatever he's going to do is going to bounce back on his feet? Or, you know, is he going to bounce out? I think we both believe in it. I do. I do. Yeah, there's plenty of reason to think to sell, but I'm not... I'm going to bet on him. I believe in him. Nice. Yeah, so that is our buy and sell segment. And let us know if you think any of our picks were right or wrong. Do you have somebody different? This is going to be the end of our 2020 talk. Dave wanted to bring you new content. I've been vocal against it. I wanted to give you all the best stuff. But you know what, Dave? I'm glad you pushed me towards this because... We've brought so much content this year that it almost didn't feel right to do, like, another clip show. Right. We just had the debut of Moody Podcast, which did huge numbers the first day. And I would say it was very fun to do because it was a little freeing. You know, it, it, it gave us something different to do. So if you like what we're doing on the wrestling show... Go check us out on the comedy show. But Dave, yeah. I'm going to run some <clears throat> companies by you. Excuse me. And I just kind of want to see where you would, what you would give them on a report card for last year. Okay. So we're going to start off with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, wish I watched a little more New Japan, but from what I saw, I'm going to give them a solid B. Because they actually got crowds back. And even though they're at you know a limited capacity... They seem to be doing things safely, and I mean, although the product isn't perfect, you know, like, there's definitely be cool if we had all the stars from over here, over there, too, but, you know, I think they're going to get a solid. I gave them a B minus C plus. Yep. Because, I mean, they did have a chunk of the year where they didn't run. Right. But the biggest thing that goes towards them is they seem to have safer protocols yep. when bringing things back. And they've had less outbreak situations, so I think that is something towards them. Also, that Wrestle Kingdom card, which we will talk about, I don't feel as excited going into it, and that's kind of... I don't know if that's me not paying attention as much, but I think that hurts the grade as well. Like, if I was as excited for Wrestle Kingdom this year as I have been in past years, I think I would have rated it higher. Mm. Now... ROH next. Where do you think they fell this year? I'm going to give them a C. They took most of the year off. They are back. They're running a very safe show, which I applaud them for. No crowds at all. And uh, if there's even close to anything going on, they've caught it, it seems like. They did some great shows. Like, they had great video package, and they tried to give us something different. So I can't fail them. I'm going to give them a C. I'm going to say they're in a little bit of the middle, but it's just hard with, you know, they're a product to me that really benefited from having a crowd. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to give them a C plus because first and foremost, that pure title tournament. Yeah. I think the presentation on that thing was amazing. And also the Mike Bennett return, I thought was pretty big in making the appearance in ROH. They ran a lot of stuff on YouTube where they would put like three big, Daniel Bryan matches or three big CM Punk matches. So they did provide content in a different way, but obviously, like you said, they weren't there for the show proper, so that did hurt them. Now, we're going to get into some rough territory, and yeah. what did you think about Raw this year? Oh, okay. I'm glad. I was wondering how you were going to like do this. Like, if you had told me to grade WWE as a whole, I was like, it's kind of hard 
to create the company that gave us Walter and Dragunov and you know, Cole and all these stuff, but also gave us some of the worst fucking dialogue segments and Monday Night Raw and all the other bullshit. So, and I think we're really going to see that because we're going to do Raw first and we're going to do SmackDown, and I think you're going to see a definite difference in both our grades. Yeah, we are. Uh, okay, Raw. This is we're just doing Raw. They're going to get an F. Uh, I can't tell you how much the flagship has really, really gone down for me now. Folks, when you hear this, for AW fans, I'm not telling you there weren't going to be a few bright spots here and there. However, on a three-hour segment, I want to give this to these people straight. I am 44 years old, folks. I've been watching wrestling continuously since 1985. Maybe missed a few shows. I've went to points where I've kind of fell out a little bit, but I'd always fast-forward through a show, and I'd always like just kind of skim through it, maybe missing a couple weeks here and there out of years. Folks, I am on about about a month, two months straight. I have not even hit raw on the DVR. I simply listen to the review on podcasts. I find it to be a very, very hard show to watch. And the reviews I keep seeing on it are not pulling me back anytime faster. There's some good talent on that show. There is a few bright spots. However, man, if they don't shorten that thing up or get a really, really hot product, it's really hard to invest in raw. That's my only failing grade you're probably going to get out of me, too. I gave it an F2. I haven't watched Raw in probably a few years now. Mm -hmm. Only because some people like to watch WWE or like they like to watch wrestling in general and complain about what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And I just don't watch what I don't like. And we remember the time when Raw was appointment viewing. We saw it at the beginning. And it is nowhere near that now. And it's almost insulting that WWE doesn't have an abrupt change of direction, given where numbers are going, Mm -hmm. where just sheer enjoyment is going. And it's just not a fun show to watch. They may put their biggest stars on there because they still perceive it as their A show. But I don't think they've done anything compelling that I can remember outside of putting Firefly Funhouse on there. But now let's jump to our SmackDown grade since that's the sister show to Raw. How did you think SmackDown has done this year? They're going to get a B. Here's the thing. They had some shit too. There were some issues. However, they also had... Bailey and Sasha, who were carrying it for a while and had great segments. They had a great, long, built-up feud with Bailey and Sasha. And then they had, in my opinion, arguably, and our fans voted it too, the hottest angle all year in wrestling, with the exception of maybe the Kenny Omega stuff, with Roman Reigns becoming a heel. Roman has become a star. They just got a 3.2 million rating. I know they had a lead-in with the NFL, but the show also was really good. I think... Kevin Owens is looking great. Damn it all. Somebody's somehow making Carmella interesting. I didn't even think that was possible. I've really been enjoying SmackDown. It's just really kind of fit into a nice bubble. Now, don't get me wrong. Not all the booking is as logical as, say, an NXT or an AEW. But there's got so they had some really hot stuff on that show that I'm willing to give it a B. Yeah, I gave it a B as well. I don't watch it as much. But I've heard less complaints about SmackDown things. I think being on Fox definitely helps its rating. Yep. Or I think we would we would see it be slightly higher than Raw if it was also on USA. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. I, 
something has to change at WWE creatively, I think, for me to watch main roster stuff again. Like, I've been watching old 1984 stuff, 85. Yep. The old championship wrestling, I think it was called. You're talking and about Superstars and Wrestling Challenge? Just before that, actually, I think. Oh, All-Star all Wrestling. I forget what the name of the show. Yeah, I think it was All-Star Wrestling. But it's... It's just wild how far the McMahon product has come. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to ego a little bit where you think that what you're still putting out is good and you might not recognize that the the quality of your product is slick. Now, let's speak about NXT because I think they're going to get a much higher grade than either of the other two. Well, it's definitely... Here's the thing. So I gave a B, so it's kind of hard to go... uh, NXT struggled with a few things. I don't want to just give them, like, the top award... Like that. They struggled. Not all of it was their fault. They, like ROH, benefit from having a hot crowd. They, You know, they didn't have that for some of the year. Some of the other things, too, is they got rated on some of their top talent. They had injuries, unfortunately. Keith Lee wins the title. He's immediately on Raw. You know, Finn Bauer has the most awesome match. Match I voted for match of the year with Kyle O'Reilly. Breaks his jaw in a couple places. But so much good wrestling. Probably the best bell-to-bell matches consistently than any other program. Yeah, all right. Damn it all. I'm going to give them an A. (laughs) Fuck it. They're going to get an A. I was about to be happy and say, thank God we didn't agree on one, but I gave them an A. They were the quality in-ring product. Mm -hmm. I think they dealt with all those negatives you listed and bounced back about as well as they could. Right. Plus, they did Halloween Havoc. They did the Great American Bash. Right. You've had Timothy Thatcher come up in there. You, you, that's where you've had the Pat McAfee story pop off. If you, and uh, I just think uh, they did probably the best of any wrestling company this year. If you included NXT UK under just the NXT umbrella, which I don't watch enough NXT UK, I know we all don't either, but then you'd have to include that Walter Dragunov match too, (laughs) which was just insane. Yeah, I was going to say, I watched so little NXT UK that I didn't even think of them as a separate one. Right. That match definitely put that brand on the map this year. Yeah. Now, switching over, what did you think about Impact this year? Okay, Impact. I'm going to have to give them, just like SmackDown, I'll give them a B. Here's why. I don't know how they're doing it, but for some reason, when every other company, ROH included, main roster WWE before we went to the Thunderdome, which I don't love the Thunderdome, but it's better than listening to the ceiling fans. Um, somehow, Impact is doing it, though. And it's not that bad. Like, I enjoy Impact. Like, I don't... They seem to somehow get away with me not really noticing the empty arena crowd. I don't know what they're doing, what the magic is, but I really enjoy that. Throw in that, the stuff they're working with AEW. I mean, there's some really good stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's just like SmackDown. There's some shitty stuff on there. The Bravo got shot <laughs> during the wedding. There's some nonsense, but a great women's division. They brought the knockout tag belts back. You know, I got to give it at least a solid B too. I'm going to put them right there. I gave them a B as well, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I... If we had AJ here, we might have some different things. I think we spend so much time talking that just our wrestling minds link up. Because Impact, like you said, they did some things not well. But even Wrestle House, a segment that wouldn't normally amuse me, I hate reality TV. I thought they did it well. Same. 
Say by that show, I loved it too. Everybody hated that, and I thought to myself, I kind of like it. It made things go by yeah. faster. Yeah. And what they did with Tessa leaving when she was the champion, they bounced back. They had a good slim anniversary. Bound for Glory was great. I really think that, and they ended the year with Kenny Omega in the crossover. I think they're going to have an excellent 2021. But this was maybe one of the first years that they were finally able to rub that old TNA stink off of them. Dave? Yes, sir. AEW Dynamite. We've talked about him a lot this yes. year. Where do you place them? It's funny if uh, we were on, you know, we had Josh DeBoard on here. He would not be happy with what I'm about to say. <laughs> and here's why. All right. Jim Ross likes to talk about sizzle and steak sometimes with his wrestling, right? Sometimes you need a little more sizzle. Sometimes you need a little more steak. All right, I gave NXT an A. They're the ultimate in stake. All right, they have the best wrestling quality bell to bell. Here's the difference. AEW has a pretty good steak too, and they're seasoning it just a little bit better. They're putting some spices on it. They're just like, God damn, Cody, what you cooking there, boy? That smells so good, you know? And I got to say, because I gave NXT an A, and I put AEW slightly ahead, I got to give him an A+, because that's the only fair way to do it. <laughs> I gave him a B plus. Thank God Ooh. he picked something different. My man. And the only reason I gave him a B plus is there's a couple things where I feel like they missed this year. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe a couple things just didn't hit right. And that's not enough for me to totally hate them. Right. Because I don't mind it. Shit happens in wrestling. I've been watching WWE long enough. Sure. That <laughs> if they change course, fine, fuck it. But... I, I thought they were a B plus. Yeah. And this is only notable because what would you give Dark? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because just the opposite of NXT, I said that, you know, AEW had that little bit of sizzle compared to steak. Dark doesn't really have any sizzle. It's a pretty much just a steak show. It's all wrestling. It's if it's fun, but if I'm, I'm going to grade Dark, there's not a lot of, like, important things that happen on there, so I'm going to give it a C. Wow, see, I give it an A. Ah. And the reason that I rated it so high is because it, if you look at it on the surf, surface, you can view it as kind of a throwaway YouTube show. Sure. But they have some killer matches on there, and they gave you a lot of talent. Like, we're a fan of Bear Country. They've done a couple tag matches on Dark lately, and the formula seems to go. You start off on Dark, then you get low-level Dynamite show. And then you possibly move up to the roster. And it's almost their own theater system. Mm -hmm. And if you're a fan of the indies, this is where you're most likely to see your guys appear on AEW. We saw Brian Pillman pop up here while being under contract to MLW. We saw Devon's kids pop up on here. Yeah. This is where Top Flight first started. So the fact that they over-deliver for a YouTube show... And it's gone from an hour to some weeks it's two hours. Mm -hmm. George South Jr. was on it. How are we not bringing up the mighty George South son? Well, we did uh, in an interview I just did with George. That's later on in the show as we're recording this. So <laughs> that does get discussed. <laughs> Excellent. And it's just, just for all those reasons, it feels like it's the secret of a show that you get so much from. Mm. They've kind of started introducing 
storylines a little bit, but not a ton. And I, I really almost don't need that to enjoy this show. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not going to give it an A, but you did make me rethink something. I'm going to give it a C plus. So I'm going up a little. <laughs> hey, if I can bump it up a little bit, I just I think it has value. It does. I might overvalue it. But you know me, I kind of like that underground, I like that next level thing. Right, right. So that's why it is, that's why it's compelling to me as a wrestling viewer right mm-hmm. now. AJ would throw it out. AJ would be like, <laughs> what are they even doing? What's this show? I don't even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So that kind of wraps up the report card. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And we're back with another 531 segment. I got my boy producer Joe here today. We're going to be kicking it. AJ Strangebrew, MIA. We don't know what's going on with him, but that's all right. Today we're talking about who were the breakout wrestling stars of 2020. First off, Joe, how we doing, man? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to give the people a best of us this week. And Dave demanded new content. Yeah. So we're going to kind of start off with a 531 of our top breakout stars of 2020. And then we're going to move a little bit towards looking forward to 2021, talking about Wrestle Kingdom and the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day GCW shows. But guys, it wouldn't be the 531 if I didn't kick it off with welcome to the 531, our signature segment where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate that top three down to a top one. Dave, we didn't get a whole lot of lists this week, but I think we're going to find some interesting responses to who people's breakout star of 2020 is. I think so. first list you got for us? I'm going to go with Mikey and Fred from the Facebook page. He's been hitting us with those lists lately. Yeah, that guy, he's coming through. Yeah, he said in no particular order, we got Dominic Mysterio, Darby Allin, Raquel Gonzalez, Pat McAfee and Jonathan Silver. I really like this list because there's really like a real mixture of talent. Like we got Dominic who just started, Kel and Pat from NXT, and then Darby and John from AEW. Uh, Yeah, I like his list because I think with breakout stars, we're going to see it with some people's list that people made their list. And I wouldn't say it was necessarily a breakout year for that. John Silver, former guest of the show, 100%. had a breakout year he did and that's why it's so sad to see Brody lee's passing this past weekend because the kind of back and forth dynamic they had was amazing yeah i mean it was very interesting very unique because like you had like pat mcafee who wrestled this year on his list and i think pat showed a real natural talent but he only had those couple matches but boy the guy can really he really showed something in just those little bit of stuff he did. And then you had, like, Dominic Mysterio. You know, Darby Allen has got – he's doing some things. He's got the TNT title now. Yeah, it's an interesting list. I think there's a lot of things with these people here. It's funny because breakout star doesn't have to mean, you know, they're in their rookie year. It's, just, it's their breakout year. Yeah, 100%. Now, the first list I'm going to bring you is from author, friend of the show, Jake St. John. And he's got Hangman Page, Shingo Takagi. Will Ospreay, Jungle Boy, and Rhea Ripley. Good list. Good list. You know, I say this all the time. I feel like Ripley's story was like the tale of two years. Like, she really broke out in the beginning. I say she had a solid year, but... 
boy, the beginning of that year when she beat Shayna Baszler, who at the time was like the most dominant women's champion in all of wrestling. Like it looked like she was going to be like a female Hulk Hogan. Then she lost to Charlotte. And we thought this was going to be a bigger story, but because of COVID, it feels like things going to be got switched around, and we never really saw Ripley quite have the same momentum. We talked about it earlier in our buy and sell segment, Yeah, but Marty Skrull is another guy who really, I think, got hurt by COVID. Oh, yeah. A lot of those foreign talents didn't get much of a year, and I think it really hurt things overall. I agree. I'm going to go with Mike Flynn right now. He gave me some nice detailed stuff here he's got number one mjf i know he was an mlw but he became a megastar this year number two hammerstone super bright future for him he isn't a household name yet but i think he will be number three he also has raquel gonzalez she looks like she may be a massive star and was really impressive this year i mean she did have a great standout performance in that war games but continuing on we got number four ricky starks Exposure on AEW has really put him on the path to stardom. And five, Thunder Rosa, again, was known but not on this level. This is a different level entirely. Yeah, I really like Starks because his mic work is so fantastic. I'm surprised MJF isn't on everybody's list. Hammerstone is a nice pick. I think he definitely, I think I joked with him about this behind the scenes a little bit i said uh you know as long as he can pass a wellness test <laughs> he should be pretty good you know AEW doesn't appear to be testing uh anyway <clears throat> brian cage so i think that you know we're uh it'd be interesting to see how hammer does i like I hammerstone a lot to note the AEW factor this year you have a couple people like darby allen i would say he had a breakout year maybe two or three years ago and really got his name out there but AEW made him that much bigger. Same with MJF going from MLW to AEW. Mm-hmm. It's like, you not that MLW is a small promotion, but only so many people are going to see it. Right. You take that to TNT, and you're getting that act everywhere. And it's taking a lot of these guys and giving them a bigger platform, which is awesome. 100%. Now, the next list I got is from debatably number one fan of the show, Randy Oscar. He's definitely AJ's number one fan. <laughs> that is. And he's got Thunder Rosa, Ricky Starks, Eric Young, Pat McAfee, and Eddie Kingston. Man, I agree with all of those except for Eric Young. I think Eric had a great year going back to Impact, but I wouldn't call it his breakout year. Maybe, if anything, more like his return. I feel like that he was-, was the exact list I was thinking of earlier where some things aren't going to fit the thing. Yeah. Eric Young did have a tremendous year. Yeah. And he had almost like a Mike Bennett level return right. to ROH yes. with a height behind him going back to Impact. But it didn't feel like a breakout because Eric Young has been great for so long yeah. that he's just really underrated. Yeah, if anything, before a comeback, it's interesting to see Thunder Rosa making a lot of these lists here. And I think that does show that was probably a breakout year for her. Uh, she's been popping up on our awards show we just did and now she's popping up on this list all over too so super cool yeah definitely and it's good to see female talent get recognized she's another one i'd say over the last couple years she's really been making a name for herself but the nwa aew exposure has just put her over the top and she's another one who was big in nwa 
and just got so much bigger on AEW and it's making that NWA women's belt mean something on TNT. 100%. <clears throat> I got in front of the show uh, Zach St. John. He's got a very the interesting list. Real ZSJ. The real ZSJ. He's got Montez Ford, number one. He's got Keith Lee at number two. Orange Cassidy, number three. John Silver, four. And Will Hobbs, number five. Ford has a lot of charisma. I like his upside. I wouldn't call this his breakout year yet. I think he's going to have more to come. Keith Lee, I definitely think this is a breakout year for him. Having the NXT North American and world title. Now being on Raw, maybe he's not where we want him to be yet. But he definitely has made an impression this year. Orange Cassidy, yeah, no, that guy uh, definitely had a breakout year. I think it would have been bigger had we had fans. John Silver, huge year. Obviously, like we said, the stuff with... Brody is kind of sad now because he really found his mark on being the elite, BT. And Will Hobbs, put him in the Ford category for me. He's got a lot of potential. I wouldn't say this is his breakout year yet. Maybe he's starting to break out, but I think we're going to see a bigger year for him in 2021. There's actually a segment we're going to talk about as well. Mm. Because when I think about breakout stars for this year, it almost got me thinking ahead. Who is that next level of star? And... Is somebody a breakout star or not? And I'm going to give you my list next, and you'll see why when we get to it. But top of the list, Alex Zane, man who won't respond to the show, but he's in NXT, so we'll let it slide. Check your DMs. I had Myron Reed as number two on my list. I had Will Hobbs as number three. Abaddon as number four. And I had the tag team of Top Flight as number five. Mm. I put Myron Reed on there because even though he really showed us a lot last year, I think him keeping that lightweight title in MLW or whatever they're calling it, I'm definitely blanking on the name right now. Middleweight. But what middleweight title and what he did over Pulp Fusion, I just thought in the match of him versus Leo Rush at Kings of Coliseum really showed that he is showing that he can be that main event player that they need. Yeah, no doubt. I like your list. Uh, it's a little different. I think you have a lot of guys that are break out into terms like they're finally getting some exposure altogether. Yeah, Will Hobbs in top flight. It might be more to see what they got for 2021. Even put Abaddon in there. Same. I think she just made such an impression with that look mm. and kind of her spot in the women's division of AEW. All right, I'm going to hit you to my list. I got number one, MJF. I think this was a huge year for him. He was obviously already gaining traction on the independent circuit and MLW, but now I think this guy is a just bona fide main event player. Uh, Ricky Starks, you know, kicking it on the NWA power, but now suddenly he had that open challenge with Cody, and he has become, to me, the star of Team Taz. I know Cage is still the man, but to me, when he starts talking on the mic, Ricky Starks, it's a home run every week when he's on the mic. Keith Lee, I already said this before, I think this was a great year for him. Some of the stuff he did, you know, in the beginning, that confrontation he had with Brock and the Rumble, just the sight of that. I think we're going to see a lot of stuff for Keith Lee. Check out that documentary on him, on the WWE 24 series. Awesome. John Silver, can't put over enough. Love the stuff he's doing. And I had to finish up with Darby Allen as well. Honorable mention to Thunder Rosa. It was really close. I actually went with Darby only because of the TNT title run and because he's been doing segments with Sting. So I kind of said, okay. I said, this is 
a little bit of a bigger year. But Thunder was also very impressive just to be working the NWA title on AEW and everything and then going back and forth. So Yeah, definitely. Now, the next list I got for you, it's the last list I got, but I had to give the main event spot to Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got Eddie Kingston, Leon Ruff, Damian Priest, Drew McIntyre, and Timothy Thatcher. I mean, again, how do you define breakout, right? He's right. Drew McIntyre, Eddie Kingston, two veterans of the sport. But, you know, Drew had his world title this year at WrestleMania. The poor bastard. He wins the world title in, you know, an empty arena. You can hear the fans going. But, I mean, and not the fans. <laughs> the actual ceiling fans. But, at the same time, how much momentum he had going in there. Like, when he knocked Brock out of the Royal Rumble this year, it was a mega pop. And as for Kingston, despite what AJ might think about his look and what he sounds like, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that stuff he did with Cody really put him on the map this year to the point that feud he had with Moxley even turned it up another notch just by his mic work. So good. Yeah, how about talking himself into a job? Yeah. Like, we saw him appear, and everybody was hoping he would get that AEW contract, and then sure enough, he did, and he has delivered consistently since then, and it's wild to see a couple veterans end up on this breakout list, but isn't that really what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of names that kept going on here. I feel like John Silver's been on a lot of these lists. John Silver definitely had a lot. I feel like we heard Ricky Starks a lot. Yeah, and I don't know, Other I guess. That, I mean, Darby. this one was kind of a real grab bag. Like, yeah, it was. There were Those were the two that seemed to pop up the most. And yeah. then you've got a handful of other guys that we should... You want to just pick one out of the... I, I think Darby was on a few more lists, so I'm going to go with Darby. I actually really like MJF, but I don't think he made as many lists as Darby. So I got Darby, John Silver, and uh, Ricky Starks, you said. So uh, I'm looking, it's funny, Raquel Gonzalez made a couple early lists too. But I'm going to, we'll save on her. I think 2021 is going to be her year. So yeah, I got to go, let's see, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, John Silver, uh, first one to go, I'm going to kick out Ricky Starks, despite the fact I love him, and he's actually my favorite out of this group, because I think Darby had a little bit more of a breakout year, given, like I said, the Sting stuff, the TNT title, and I feel like Silver stuff on BTE really just got that guy with a ton of momentum right now. Yeah, I was going to say, Silver, it looked like he was going to die a death on AEW for a little bit there yeah. when that Dark Order stuff just wasn't hitting the way that everybody had hoped. Mm -hmm. And then with Brody Lee coming in, the thing that they had, I think that really kind of resuscitated his career. And it made everybody that's not familiar with John Silver... As much of a fan as we are, and we've talked to him and seen him countless times. Agreed. So, at the end of the day, I say it goes down to Silver and Darby, and I got to give it to Darby. He didn't have that championship. I would argue that it would be a lot closer. Same. But, I mean, the championship, it has to put you over. The championship and the fact that he's doing segments with Sting, who's returned, and he's on that level right now. And he's got a match coming up with Brian Cage that's been built to. They are building towards Darby Allen matches right now. I think that has to give him the nod, in my uh, my opinion. So, uh, end of the day, Joe's breaking into his home. All good. But 
Our uh, 2020 breakout star of the year was Darby Allen. Hope we got it right, folks. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 